Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know what? I see it, it, exactly that, but it's the ingratitude and it's just, it's not right or wrong. It's just that those detectives have a lot of things in their head and they're used to moving along and it's a culturally accepted. And I can say this because I was, you know, a near plank holder at the South Florida, the Broward Forensic Association, the FDII, and I can see the personalities and, and you just get used to them package that up. Give me the bottom line. I'm going to move over to 10 witnesses that are waiting. And if I don't, they will be scattered to the winds. So there's no disparity I'm throwing on detectives or anything else. But to your point, exactly right. If you could get. So what ends up happening? It comes across as brusque or irreverent and the, they get the technicians become upset or they're just trying to process this or they're not approved for overtime. And then there's angst on their side. And I hear this from them. And I, I was very close to it. My mom, like I said, was a non-sworn for years. And it's those are phenomenons. And you speak to it very adroitly when you say, you know, sworn, because I was the entire time and I worked both sides of it. And I found that to be very rewarding. But there's drawbacks because the more I'm spending on that scene, the less I'm talking to that person who's now talking to their sister or and that erodes that 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 witness statements there. So how do we mitigate that? I, I it, it, it's a blessing to have those those folks, um, the CSI folks out here. And I said, it's not easy and it's not something you had to come over here and, and to get upset about. Like, I can't do my job. You have to just tell them if you involve me a little bit earlier and the good leaders will. And that's where I think we can just really take something that's detrimental right now with the police work and turn that. You have to go through these trials to get to that next level over here. And that's what we're going through right now. So we can really supercharge up the forensics, get that to become near near uh, real time. And if we had a checklist to involve that, you could probably process that out pretty quickly. It, it Like I said before, I don't know of a detective... I don't I honestly anybody who's who's an investigative role who could pass that IAI course it's just uh, the IAI certification it's very in depth you're having to do the math on trajectory you're having to they can do this and they can pr- provide you something and if we can harness that well now everybody's contributing to the cause and they're not acting like the cleanup crew and and these come from hearing kind of those those sort of comment over the years from different from, from different people, just right, disparaging comments like that, uh, like just get it to me. I need to know it, and it's not. It's a team effort, man. It's a it's a race to see who's going to be, you know, to the finish line last and give the most to the equation. And now, man, now we're moving. Now we're moving that ball. We're making points each time, you know. Yeah, and I, and I will say this, you know, and you know this, Tom. People solve murders. Teams solve murders, not individuals. I want to just jump to what you were saying here because this is in the book and I want to highlight it because it's so important. Very cool. Right. We, uh, a lot of times the investigators, and I've been guilty of this many times over the years, of trying to make their theory fit the crime. Right. And you'll see that in American law enforcement, we, the, the culture kind of has us doing suspect based investigations, right? Chasing suspects. What we should be doing, and I, I put a lot of emphasis on this in the book, is we should be doing evidence based investigations. Right. What is the evidence telling us, right? Yeah, like if I go to a crime scene and I see that blood spatter and let's say that the girl is, you know, thump force trauma and all the injuries are to the left side of her face, right? And then you see maybe there's a stab wound even on the left side of her shoulder. You know, 
is our offender right-handed, right? I mean, if it's a frontal attack, I mean, just simple stuff, right? And and again, uh, that's where I think the, the crime scene techs and the forensic experts are a critical piece to the overall teamwork because they sit and look at it from that, that viewpoint, right? What is the evidence telling me happened here? Not what is some witness telling me who the, the best potential suspect is. And again, I, I picked this up. I spent some time in the Netherlands back in 2000 with several of their deaf investigators, mostly out of Utrecht, the city of Utrecht, which is, uh, I think, about an hour and a half from Amsterdam. But they 100%, you know, they ignore suspects. They just look at the evidence. What's the evidence telling me? Where are they at? What's the blood spatter telling me? What is the, what is the, is there signs of a struggle? Is it forced entry? Is it, you know, can we determine any remorse in the scene? Can we determine control in the scene? You know, can we control, can we determine anger in the crimes? You know, these kind of things to where instead of chasing a suspect or a name or, you know, and, and, and we got to have to remember, and I, and I highlight this in the book, there's only three things that solve murders, right? Physical evidence, witnesses, and confessions. I mean, if you get down, it's, it's really that simple. And the evidence is, is the, the best gold standard, you know, whether that's DNA or a fingerprint. I mean, those are the two greatest gold standards, you know, followed by other evidentiary items, of course. But, you know, witnesses, you can't always depend on witnesses. They change their story. Their, their credibility gets impeached. They don't show up for trial. You know, and, and so that's why a lot of cases come down. You know, you got to get a confession if you don't have that physical evidence. But what prosecutors want is all three, right? The silver platter. They want a confession. Yeah. They want physical evidence. They want witnesses. And, and what I see happening, too, with a lot of cold cases is there are a lot of risk-averse prosecutors, right? It, when you come, when you bring a cold case to them, because in a lot of cold cases, they actually want twice as much evidence. And I, you know, they'll be like, hey, this thing's old. I got to I got to overcome these obstacles. You know, can you get me some more? Can you find some more witnesses? But, you know, a lot of people don't realize, and, I, and, and Jared, I probably said this on the first show, I, and I'll just, I'll say this and then I'll, I'll go back to you or, or Tom, but how hard it is to solve a cold case. You know, if you think about the numbers, you know, there's estimates that are anyway, we could have up to 325,000 cold cases now. If you look at the numbers of solved cases, only about one in five cases do we have a clearly, clearly distinguishable suspect. One of 20 will a prosecutor charge. Only about 100, one in 100 will you actually have a successful prosecution. That's crazy. Now, you'll see those numbers are a little better with IgG, right? As IgG has popped up, but then we also have to remember how little cases have been or how few cases have been have been cleared with IgG. And that's even, with, you know, with Othram storming onto the scene and some of these other groups, you know, we still, you know, that's still on the low numbers of solves when you think about it. So to your point, I think we need to figure out how can we get this evidence examined, evaluated, analyzed much faster. And I think that's what you were kind of saying. Did I, under, did I hear you correctly there? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'll say the other side of the equation, because a lot of the exonerations of the folks are looking through things through a, a different lens. And I got to do a little bit of film work and I would hear about the the bias. You know, example is Chris Tapp. I mean, you know, you got to admit he's a great suspect because of his, his colleague who was with him, who was charged on the sexual battery. OK, so I said, I said, OK, let's let's. Let's not take a political stance on this, folks, but let's look at this. You have, you know, say 10 hours a day, 600 magic minutes. And what do you want to devote those to of those those minutes? 
Case in point, Black Dahlia, I got a chance to pick at that a little bit. They found a note, if I, if I remember correctly, saying Black Dahlia, Elizabeth Short, was married. So they figured out who the servicemen or former servicemen, they went on a train across country to go interview him because this is the best suspect out here. Man, that's probably like a two-day trip to go all the way out over to Pennsylvania, if I recall, to go on to, uh, you know, get permission to interview this guy. He goes, look, it was a joke, man. We were trying to make a, f a friend of his jealous. He goes, I'm not married to her at all or anything else. And so you're talking about, okay, return trip, four days are burned up there. That's gone. That is colder than, you know, uh, Shakespeare's grave at that point. But you have to devote resources and you got to decide where to go. So, you know, kind of uh, offsetting that point is like, well, you can't just go, well, let the evidence sit back. I love it because, I, Jared, you know what I'm talking about when I say this. Let's try to disprove this theory. Try and knock it out of the water, why it why the machine doesn't work. And let's go about it that way rather than run off that way. But, you know, you have to make a choice eventually. Like, it, it, I, I heard that said, well, isn't it true the captain said, who do you like for this? Well, that's just a colloquialism. Like, who do you like for it? Uh, well, I like this guy. He's got a history of it and everything else. But, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, not use your, your brain on that? And so maybe off, to offset a bit and to explain to people, nobody is trying to set anyone up on this over here. It's just that... Those detectives live with that scene of that person being opened up like a, a gutted deer. And they, they, this is why so many of them crawl into a bottle on so many of them in their life earlier, because this is what they live with. And they're trying to give solutions. This is what they join for. They didn't join to make money. They joined to make a difference over here. So these are really the true victims on this stuff. So we have to mitigate that, offset that, explain, you know, the personalities and, and the use of words and everything else. So um, I just do explain that as that's the phenomenon out here. Nobody's taking a shortcut. And if you come after those guys, they're going to work even slower now and more methodically and plot along. So it's it's just kind of an unfortunate time. But if we can rest those things, explain that, then people kind of go, oh, I never I never knew. I never understood. By the way, I'll say this. Black Dahlia, 47 minutes where they took the fingerprints and they used a crude fax machine that the news service would do, sent them all the way over to Quantico. And in 47 minutes, they had two two uh, cards for Elizabeth Short. Yeah. She had worked in a, in a camp and everything else. So there's, you know, they had her identified postmortem from the autopsy in 1947. So there's an example of, you, you know, you, it's got to be that synergistic, sort of maybe like cooking a meal for Thanksgiving. You're bringing everything at once sure. in there and you got to pay attention to all those things. But it's not easy and it's not easy. Each one of these things is different. Um, so... You, you know, yeah, I, I, I say that because, uh, but to finish up my, my diatribe here, yeah, you absolutely have to blind yourself to that and not let that theory go along with it because, man, you know, you've, you've devoted so much time, your reputation's on the line, and you're going, I really think this is the guy, and you get to the end of it, and you're like, oh, he was, it's not even him, and, and they go, what happened, Tom? And I'm like, I just, you know, I, I thought it was, up to, and then, you know, here, 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 and here, but, you know, yeah. But you got to try to disprove that. Uh, you got you to knock that one out. But I, I like the New Zealand, I'm sorry, the Netherlands mindset of looking at that things critically because that will force you to blind yourself to it, you know, to come up with that. Hey, with that, with that in mind, good Joe, stuff. When, when, yeah, boy, this is awesome. I've just been kicking back listening to you guys. It's been fantastic. So, Joe, I got a question for you. So, in light of, especially like what you said about the Netherlands, when they're Basically, they, they ignore the suspects and they just mostly focus on the evidence. In light of that, why do you think more detectives don't involve and, and make almost like, an, like a, a partnership 
with their CSI groups more often. It's like, to me, I, I see as I go around the country and I'm, and I'm working with people, it's like, especially the, the non-sworn that we talked about earlier, there's a lot of detectives that just don't, they just don't look at their, their CSIs. If they're, if they're civilians, they just don't look them as, as equals and, and as professionals and they don't utilize them to the extent that they should. And I think a lot of cases suffer because of that. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do, Jared. And I think what we're talking about at the very basic level is organizational culture. You know, and through whether it's even whether it's police departments or it's federal law enforcement agencies, you know, state police agencies, what you're going to find is folks that are have the responsibility of just being right. The evidence collectors, because that's what a lot of detectives will view them as, right? Hey, they're going out and they're collecting the evidence. And I think it it comes down that a lot of detectives, you know, it, it's a status thing too in many departments that a lot of folks are distri- striving to become a detective. And they there's just not a lot of in the culture or the organizational culture of law enforcement. You know, for me, where I see it in the Southern states is they're non-sworn personnel. You know, hey, you're not even a sworn detective. What do you know? Okay, so you went to the school and you have this advanced degree in forensics. What does that matter? How's that going to help me solve my case? Whereas if they would just collaborate more, they would realize, and that's what we try to, to, to preach at our Cold Case Coalition awesome, is awesome. somebody is going to look at that scene. And I mean, that's why we have three or four crime scene techs that are part of our unit, because they have a whole different view of it. It's just like we have crime analysts that are part of our Cold Case Coalition. And they have a, they're have they looking at things from an analytical view, right? And you have to put all those components together to make a team. But I think it's just the, the, the culture of the organizations that, you know, it's, it's like anything. Let me show you a difference. You know, a lot of we do some advanced training in the state, and, and most of this is homicide training or, or, you know, rape investigation, robbery. And so typically what happens is we'll have a room full of detectives, and there'll be four or five patrol officers there. And I always ask them, hey, introduce yourselves. And we go around the room and they say, well, I'm just in patrol. I'm just a patrol officer. Well, and then what if you're a patrol officer in Durham, North Carolina, where they're, we're responding to 60 or 70 homicides a year, right? You have gained a whole lot of valuable experience from, you're not just patrol, right? And I try to reinforce that. Same thing when crime scene techs come, right? Or the, our forensic folks is, they say, well, I'm, I'm just work, I just work CSI. I'm just on the crime. So, I mean, it's almost like the culture, right? I don't mean to beat this to death, but it's the culture is causing a lot of this. And it's hard for folks to come in and change that culture because, you know, a lot of you got to remember what law enforcement is attracting is a lot of type A personalities, right? It's a lot of folks that, you know, have have strong opinions, things, you know, they're type A and, and, and they don't want this person who's maybe, you know, not as aggressive that, that has these so-called soft skills, right, of impeding on, on on what they need done. Tom said it best. Hey, just give it to me now. You know, give, give me what you got and I'll, you know, I got to go interview these eight other witnesses. So I'll take into consideration what you gave me. But it's, so I, I don't know. I probably didn't answer your question, but that's just from my optic what I see. No, it's perfect. same Same it, sort of yeah, phenomenon, yeah. Jared. Yeah, I, not to hijack it, but. We did something I, I, I didn't like in the FBI. 
we would cut leads out to people. So you're working some kind of homicide or something, and I'm sending a lead out to someplace. I'd like, no, I need to be on an airplane and interview this person. Yes. I hated it with a passion because you know those little things. Let me think if I can articulate this well. Well, part Adam of Walsh. it is, is you lose you lose the the passion of it. You lose the the intensity of it, really, because it's not really your case. If you just got you know, somebody just calls you up and say, Hey, go interview this person. You know, you don't have, that's just, that's just human nature there. You just, you lose some of that connectivity with the actual case. You're just like, well, I'm just going to go out and talk to this, this person. You know, I, I, not to, not to run into the fiction part of it, but if you ever see Jason Bourne movies, you know, that one scene where they send that four year department of whatever state department guy to go interview Jason Bourne. And he's just kind of nonchalantly walking into the room and he's like, so, uh, you know, who you, who are you, Jason Bourne? You know, you're going to talk to us whether you like it or not. Next thing you know, he's unconscious laying on the floor and has no idea what's going on. And that's, to me, it's kind of the same type of a scenario that if you're going to lose that much connectivity, then it's worth it to send the original a detective out there who's actually really involved with the case and trying to solve it. Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities.